Westlake barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the circuit. Gets smoked right away. And that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I just, I don't have anything to say. If you want to call in, if you want to text in and talk about the Badger game, I don't, I don't have anything to say about that. Ben Kenny has convinced me throughout the day from what I've seen from him and what we will probably hear on Kenny and Heilprint tonight starting in an hour. Scheduled loss. Scheduled loss. And in college basketball and in the NBA, you'll have that. You'll have that on, the, on those bigger jobs, as they say. You know, when Northwestern gets COVID and forces an entire week to be moved around and forces student athletes to miss all this class and travel on a short notice. You know, that'll happen. I guess I'll say one thing about the Badger game last night. It seems from a casual perspective, and I am a casual because I didn't play basketball. I'm not a basketball coach. I'm not someone who breaks down film. I will say it looks very easy to defend the Badgers right now. And that doesn't seem to bode well. I don't want to be a team that other teams uh, have an easy time defending. It's like, well, just do this, that, and the other thing, and you can beat them. Like, oh, that doesn't that doesn't seem good. That doesn't seem ideal. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and yes, as you heard in that sports update with Zach Heilprin, uh, the Badgers did lose in Maryland last night. They've now lost five of their last six. Tyler Wall looks like he's pressing. Luckily, the Bucks won, and we can talk about that tonight as we begin the show with the NBA Lounge and Plenty of other NBA talking points that we could hit. I've chosen to focus on one. So we'll do one NBA point at large and then one point about uh, the Bucks and the Nuggets last night. Love that. We'll be talking about the Packers tonight. Nathaniel Hackett has now been hired at the Jets. I am all about this. I am all about Nathaniel Hackett just going from team to team every offseason with that team hoping to lure Aaron Rodgers away. Totally here for it. 100% in on that. All about it. Love it. I think it's awesome content. And if it works... Even better, because I think that content will be amazing. If Aaron Rodgers actually is reunited with Nathaniel Hackett and actually is Brett Favre 2.0 and ends up in the Jets. So I want to talk about Nathaniel Hackett going to New York. Maybe you have some thoughts on that. Maybe we've changed our mind or maybe we've come up with new hot take opinions on Aaron Rodgers. It seems like something changes with Rodgers every day, right? I always get a call if someone's mad about something, happy about something. So I'm sure we'll get into the weeds on the Packers offseason and Aaron Rodgers tonight as well. 608. 7962558 7962558 if you'd like to call or text the show. I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Coming up in an hour, Kenny and Heilprin is going to take over on at least our Madison affiliate, The Zone. And as I say every Thursday, if you're driving around in Madison, if you're getting done with work, stop by and see them. They're live at Monk's Barn Grill in Sun Prairie, and they're going to have Daryl Peterson tonight. <laughs> we should convince Ben that his name is Daryl Pedersen. Remember when he remember when he got that wrong? Couple, that was good stuff. A couple weeks ago when he said Peterson instead of Pedersen. Ah, that's good. We need to replay that. Daryl Pedersen tonight joining Zach and Ben at Monks and Sun Prairie. That'll start at 5, but I'm sure they'll be there a little bit before 5. They might already be there. So if you're driving around in Sun Prairie, go take in a live Kenny and Heilprint experience. Go say hi to Zach and Ben and Daryl Peterson, outside linebacker. Go say hi. That'll start in an hour. 
Let's fire up the NBA lounge. Let's step into the NBA lounge. I got some things that I want to say. I think this is a a well-timed NBA lounge. And if you're new here, every Thursday show throughout the basketball season, barring breaking news or some other pressing topic with the Packers or the Brewers or the Bucks, we always start with the NBA lounge. Step in, let our hair down, grab a martini or sidecar, whatever your schwanky drink of choice, maybe gin and tonic, whatever your drink of choice is. And we chop it about the NBA. And if you're not a fan of the NBA, well, then, you know, I don't have to tune in until 420 on Thursdays. Or I could just turn it down and stare out the window on my drive home. I don't really have to focus. I think tonight is a well-timed NBA lounge because right now, every Tom, Dick, and Harry with an NBA podcast is talking about star players sitting out. Oh, what a, what a problem for the NBA. Right in last night, we saw it. We get Giannis and Jokic twice a year. Once in Milwaukee, once in Denver, and the Nuggets sat everyone. They sat Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. They sat everybody, and it stinks. I know. However, however, I think we're laying it on a little thick, NBA fans. I think this is a, a syndrome of us being American. This is just our culture. We have a problem, and we just love to complain about it. Complain, 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 complain. Look, all I hear is complaining about the NBA. And how stars were injured, stars arresting, this, that, the other thing. I put out a Twitter video today at Wisco Grant. It's my take on NBA Twitter. It's my interpretation of NBA Twitter. It's like every time a player misses a game, I see Bucks fans. I hear podcast hosts. I see radio people, TV people who are like, what, what about it? Let's say there's a small family that paid $10,000 to get tickets because nobody in the media knows how much anything costs because everyone goes for free. Zach Heilprin sits in his ivory tower, the press box at Camp Randall, doesn't know. <laughs> I think he does have season tickets. He knows. But some of these big sports talkers, they don't know how much stuff costs. And then you'll be watching sports TV or listening to sports radio. It's like, well, uh, th- this family, what about a family of four could have spent $2,000 on tickets? Okay, well, no family of four is doing that. But I, but I get it. I do. It sucks that players miss games and are injured. It's also the dog days of the NBA season. And a lot of guys are hurt right now. It's not all players that are resting. Some players are hurt. It's the NBA. All right. It's a professional sports league. It's a contact sport. A lot of running, a lot of jumping, a lot of cutting. Injuries are going to happen. There's just too much complaining in sports right now. Oh, do, do, the, do the Bucks really need to sit Drew Holiday? Do the Nuggets really need to rest everybody? Oh, do the Bucks really need to have Pride Night? Is that really something we need to celebrate? I don't know. There's 82 games. There's lots of theme nights, okay? You'll live if you don't love Pride Night. Oh, I'm sick of Aaron Rodgers' BS. Hey, he gives us new content to talk about every day. There are worse things in the world. Aaron Rodgers doesn't beat up his wife and his kids or push athletic trainers, right? Or defraud poor people. So take it easy. We only need to quit the complaining a little bit. Okay, I think we're complaining a little bit too much. Now, if you want to complain about the Brewers, open season. But anything else, I think we need to take a deep breath and relax a little bit, even though I know it sucks. A lot of stars are missing games. It's the dog days of the season. It's fine. It'll be okay. Now, the actual Bucks game from last night. They won 107-99. It's the Nuggets JV squad. Aaron Gordon was probably their best player on the floor. Bones Highland played. Cancar uh, played. Christian Brown played. I always want to say Braun. It's Christian Brown, the rookie from Kansas. The white guy, the hot mom. You don't know who I'm talking about. He was very famous last year for having the mom. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. My first thought watching this game is that Denver is a really good team. 
They have really good depth pieces. Obviously, we didn't see Jokic or Michael Porter Jr. or uh, or Jamal Murray, who's working his way back this season from injury and really starting to put it together and, and look like pre-injury Jamal Murray, like the Jamal Murray we saw in the bubble. Denver has some great depth pieces. You take away their, their two or three or four best players, and you see kind of the foundation underneath those elite players. It's, it's a really good foundation. Bruce Brown was an awesome signing for them. He can do a little bit of everything. The Jordan Davis of the Denver Nuggets, Summer saying. Gordon is the fourth offensive option. Aaron Gordon from Arizona. Remember when the Badgers had a matchup with him? Yeah, he was in Orlando. Aaron Gordon is the fourth offensive option. Is really nice. Bones Highland is fun. Jeff Green is just a sturdy, solid option off the bench. He had 11 points last night, hit a couple of threes. Denver's really good. And I've always ignored Denver on League Pass when I'm trying to figure out which team I want to watch on any given night. And I'm not really sure why. I don't know if it's their logo. Their jerseys aren't all that fun. Ball arena. I don't know. I tend to gravitate toward Eastern Conference teams because those are the teams that the Bucks are playing. So, like the other night, I was watching Heat Celtics. I'd watch Heat Celtics instead of a Western Conference game, unless, of course, it's later at night. And last night, we had Grizzlies Warriors, and Steph got ejected, and that was electric. That came down to the way I was watching that, but... If it's Denver-Houston, eh, probably, I'm probably not going to watch. I just haven't gravitated toward Denver a lot. And I, I think I got to start. I got to start gravitating. I need to gravitate. I got to start watching them more. Nuggets may have won last night if they just had one of those three guys that they were missing. If they just had Jamal Murray, they might have won. If they had Jokic, I feel like they probably would have won. Very impressed by Denver. At the same time, I was also very underwhelmed by the performance we got from the Bucks. Underwhelmed is the right word. Underwhelmed, uninspired, unsatisfied. I just, just didn't blow my hair back like I was hoping they were going to blow my hair back. What they did against Detroit on Monday night, that was outstanding. And Detroit was missing some guys, and they're not very good. So, yeah, they, they should whip up on Detroit. I'm not saying I expected them to score 150 and blow out the Nuggets, but it felt tedious. They were trailing after the first quarter. They won the second quarter by six points. Nothing dominant. They won the third quarter by three points, and then they tied in the fourth. It's not like they blew the Nuggets out, and the Nuggets are a good team, and I don't expect the Bucks to shoot the lights out and play really well every night, but this is a very underwhelming performance last night from a team that was playing against a JV team, essentially. I know it's only January, and I know it's technically the dog days of the NBA season. And I know that Chris is working back from injury and Bobby Portis just went down because we can't have nice things. I know it's early. I know it's January. But right now, this Bucks team just doesn't have it. They don't have it. That's the best way that I can describe it. To, to explain what the Bucks don't have, I need to talk about other teams that have it. Like the Nuggets. This is their season. Okay, they're the number one seed. They have an MVP candidate. They're fighting to prove something. They're fighting to make their first finals. Jamal Murray's fighting to come back from injury. Michael Porter is fighting to establish himself in the NBA, even though he got that contract. Nikola Jokic is trying to prove that he's not just a stat-padding regular season guy, that he can contend in the playoffs, and get a good seed, and lead a winning team, right? The Nuggets are fighting to prove all of these things, and everything is going the way of the Nuggets. When their good players sit, the reserves step in and they cook. Aaron Gordon scores 26. Jeff Green gets into double digits and they go into Milwaukee and put together a really respectable, nice effort, right? Even when Jokic is down, even when Jamal Murray is down, the beat goes on. And it feels that way for the Grizzlies. 
Feels that way for the Nuggets. The Celtics, although they lost to the Heat the other night. Now they're without Marcus Smart. I don't think Jalen Brown played in that game either. For young teams who are playing with something to prove, they're playing to make a point, they're playing to get a contract, they're playing to make it farther into the playoffs or get a better seed than they previously did or prove that they can win an MVP. Maybe Tatum's fighting for that. Maybe Jokic is fighting for that. Maybe uh, John Morant is fighting to be in that MVP conversation. Teams that are young, unproven, untested, right? They're fighting for something. And you can see it. The Nuggets were fighting for something last night. I watched the Celtics or the Grizzlies. They're fighting for something. That's the way the Bucks were the first two years under Bud. Right? Pedal to the metal all the time. Trying to win 55 games. Trying to win 60 games. Trying to get that number one seed. Trying to set a franchise record. Giannis is trying to win MVP. They're trying to prove to the world we are the Bucks. We have arrived. We're a contender, right? And then they got over themselves a little bit. And they came back the next year with Drew Holiday and they said, we don't have anything to prove in the regular season. We can't prove anything in the regular season. We're going to mess around, try some things. And that's when you really see Bucks take that next step as a contender. I think we're seeing Denver taking that next step, although they're the one seed and winning a lot of regular season games. Maybe the Grizzlies, the Celtics, certainly. The Bucks are not a team that's fighting to take another step right now. They're a team that's fighting to stay healthy and get to the playoffs so they can try to get farther than they did last year. Make it past the Celtics, make it past the Sixers, or whoever they run into. The Bucks are not the Bucks that they were in 2018-2019, or 2019-2020, when they lost to the Raptors, and then the next year they lost to the Heat. Those two years, they were pedal to the metal all the time. Now they're older, they've won a title, they've got paid. I get why they're not wired to the same. I get why they're not trying as hard, and I get why they're not coming out every night and playing basketball with their hair on fire. The Bucks take the court, and they look inconvenienced. They look like, oh, we got to play the stupid Nuggets tonight. We got to play the stupid Pistons, although they lit the Pistons up the other night. right? They go out on a night-to-night basis and look like, I guess we'll lace them up and play this dumb January game. I guess we'll lace them up and mess around with the JV squad of the Denver Nuggets. The Bucks don't look like they're going out there to fight for a win. They look like they're going out there to avoid a loss. They're like, man, I hope we really don't. I hope we don't let this one get away tonight. They're playing not to lose. They're not playing to win. And I understand that it's late January. I understand 100%. I'm just telling you what I'm seeing. That's what I saw last night. I was going back and forth on Twitter with our friend Chuck Freeman. Just like really underwhelming. Really, really, really underwhelming. And they complain a couple nights and look amazing. They play again. When do they play? I almost said Saturday, but that's the Badgers. Why do I have the Badgers schedule committed to memory? What's happening to me? Becoming more of a college basketball guy? What is this? They play tomorrow night. They play at the Pacers. Interesting. The Bucks right now, the best way I can sum it up, they come out every night and they look like they're playing not to lose. Which I, I get that. It's late January. And I reached out to a couple of Bucks people that I know and ask their opinion on on what's going on with the Bucks today. I will share with you some of the responses I got, some of the takes that I got. But I got to be honest, I was really underwhelmed by the Bucks last night. And if that's the team we're going to get the rest of the season, then I then I don't love the attitude. I don't love the mojo. But with LeBron in January, Rose like, I don't think it's the same this year. And then it was always the same. He would always be in the finals, but always turn it on at the right time. February, March, April, then we're into the postseason. I didn't love what I saw last night, though, albeit a 
January 25th, Wednesday night game, where none of the opponents were playing. 608-796-2558 if you want to call or text. They're at Wisco Grant. A couple more minutes on the Bucks, and then we'll get into the Packers and the Nathaniel Hackett news coming up at 4.30. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show. I hope you're having an awesome Thursday night. No Bucks tonight. No Badgers. I need a little bit of a break tonight. Last night was a lot. Monday night was a lot too. Like these double features, man. They take some life out of me. I got to get two screens going and make sure I pay attention to both. It's just, it's a lot. I was in a Twitter space arguing about the Bucks until like midnight last night. I I need a night off, so I'm I'm looking forward to tonight. Catch uh, catch our bearings a little bit. My statement on the Badgers loss, scheduled loss. Let's move on and see what happens on Saturday against Illinois. Need the Colts center out. Students should be back. So hopefully that means a little extra energy. We're just stepping out of the NBA lounge. I said basically two things. Here is my message today. Number one, we're complaining too much. Yes, stars are missing games. Yeah, it stinks. But stop complaining. It's all I hear. Every NBA podcast I listen to, I had to listen to Bill Simmons the other day, and he had Joe House on. They're both rich. And Bill Simmons is like, I, I, I've had Clippers season tickets for, for over 20 years, and I this might be it for me. It's like, oh, yeah, th- th- this is going to be it? Okay, yep. Sorry, Bill. Don't, don't mind if I don't cry a bunch of tears for you. And then Joe House is co-host. He's like, well, uh, well what about a family that spends $2,000 to get tickets? It's like, do you understand how much anything costs? I hear so many elites in the media in their ivory tower with all their their millions of dollars talk about how this is terrible. It's like, well, guys get injured. Like, it's tough. It's tough. Probably could shorten the season a little bit, and that would help. Absolutely. But that's money. Do you understand if we shorten the season by 10 games for 30 teams, that's 300 games of revenue that TV networks are losing and that the NBA is losing? I know it sounds like a little tweak. We'll just take 10 games away. Oh, really? You think they'll just give up 300 games? You know how much TNT or or Turner, more specifically, is paid for those rights? You know how much ABC and Disney slash ESPN, that whole, you know how much they're paying for NBA rights? You know how much money is being paid? Bally Sports is going bankrupt. Not because they're paying for live sports rights, but it's a huge expenditure. They're not just going to give up 300 games worth of content. And then I see some fans who are like, well, they should price tickets dynamically. So if a certain player isn't going to play, that should drop the ticket price. Yeah, that's that's how that's how business is done. That's how these teams are going to operate. Hey, let's give the, the ticket buyers a break tonight because we know Giannis isn't going to play. Why? That's not how business works. The Bucks are giving away free money at that point. It should work that way, but it doesn't work that way. We're all complaining too, but complain, complain, complain. It's all I hear. Let's just take it easy. If no one's playing, don't watch. Don't watch. Do something else. Catch up on The Last of Us. Right? Watch Rick and Morty for all like I don't know. Watch the new That 90s show. It looks really bad, but I don't know. Maybe it's funny. Just everyone's complaining about the NBA, and it's it's getting to be a little bit much. Not gonna lie. Last night everyone's pissed that there's Pride Night and this and that. It's like we just if it's not for you, it's not for you. Everyone, calm down a little. I'm so sick of Aaron Rodgers. What? 
No one's no one's holding your eyeballs open and forcing you to watch the Pat McAfee show. Stop being so angry all the time. Stop complaining all the time. Let's talk to Daniel in Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Daniel? Hey, I just wanna I wanna complain a little bit more if that's okay. Alright, that's fine. Alright. Um well I think that the Badgers need to do something different. I don't I don't know what that different is or what it looks like. But um, once Tyler Wall went out and teams kind of – the teams that they were playing kind of keyed in on some of these other players and maybe um, bothered them a little bit more than they did before, um, none of those players have gotten their mojo back since Tyler Wall got back. Does that make sense? Yeah, I and I, I saw our guy – um vagabond john last night tweeting about this he said tyler walsh should be the guy who's constantly like being the last guy with the ball at the end of the shot clock i think tyler wall is trying to do too much and i don't even blame him for that because when he got hurt the team fell apart a little bit so he comes back probably thinking i need to be the guy and and, and he he might be the guy he might be the badgers guy i don't know if there is a guy so i don't blame tyler wall trying to step up and be that guy especially with what happened to the team when he went down but he's, well, I, not that, I don't, he's not that guy. He can only do so much. He's a limited player. I don't think that anybody on the Badgers, with the exception of maybe a season, like, in two years, is like that guy. Agree. You know take. what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And that's why defenses like, aren't respecting the Badgers at all. They're blitzing them. They're playing them really aggressive because they're not scared of anybody. Yes, exactly. Well, and the, the, only, the only thing that the Badgers really had going for them was their cohesion at least at the beginning of this year, like Mm -hmm. they played like an absolutely well-oiled machine, no issues on offense. Well, you know, badger issues on offense, but, um, yeah, yeah. Their defense was sound. Um, but then as soon as Tyler wall goes down, it's like they completely lose their identity. Um, they hoist up three pointers at the end of shot clocks, like half their possessions. And I, I, I don't know. It just seems like, like something's out of whack ever since that injury. And now that he's back, it's like he's not even really back because he's trying to do too much. Chucky had, like, three shots in the first 45 minutes of the game, uh, which where did that come from? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just like it's some, something there's not working right, and they, they need to I, – I don't know what the switch is exactly, but they need to – Greg needs to find, and I, I love Greg Guard. I'm not on the fire guard squad, by the way. Um, but yeah, it, he's got to he's got to figure out something to do because um, we've seen this happen before. Things can get out of hand very quickly, and when it comes to making a tournament, which is I kind of feel like that's the barometer that mm-hmm. the Badger basketball teams held to there. Uh, they need to make the tournament, right? So. Uh, at least for Greg Gard, because I don't want them to do some Paul Chris thing where if he doesn't make the tournament, he's gone, you know? And I don't yeah. think that's I, – I don't know. That's I, I, I just think that they – I'm complaining that they, they need to do something different because yeah. what they're doing right now is not working. No, you're absolutely right. They've lost five of six. And, and I think – and, Daniel, I appreciate the call. I'm going to cut you loose in case there's anybody else who wants to jump in and, and talk about one of these games from last night. In the last – five of six games that they've lost opposing teams have gotten a lot harsher on defense 
right? And it, and it really started with Northwestern because when when Tyler Wall was out, I think we all kind of took everything with a grain of salt. Okay, what happens, happens. Let's see what they look like when Tyler Wall comes back at full strength. And that Northwestern game sticks with me because Northwestern defended them really aggressively. They made life really hard for the Badgers. They defended them way out past the three-point line, pressured the ball. They weren't afraid to trap and double-team and really put the screws on some of these Badgers ball handlers and shooters. And they put put the challenge up to the Badgers, say, hey, shoot over us, create your own shot, or get by us with athleticism. Make us pay. And the Badgers couldn't do it, right? They, they basically were dealing with double teams. There were open guys all night, but the open guys couldn't hit shots. And, and then Chucky Hepburn or Tyler Wall or Connor Asijan could not play-make through that extra defense. And basically, Northwestern, they just didn't show any respect to the Badgers, the way they defended them. And we saw a lot of the same from Maryland yesterday. And I tweeted last night, it seems like it's very easy to defend the Badgers right now. And I mean defend in a literal sense. If, I, if I'm an opposing player, the, the way that opposing players are playing defense against the Badgers, it looks really easy. The blueprint looks very easy. It doesn't look complicated. It doesn't look hard. The degree of difficulty does not look very high. That's a problem. I get a text here from Jason on Lower Tanner Lake, and I think this is an outstanding take. I actually tweeted this last night. He said, right now, Giannis looks too much like 2019 Giannis, just trying to go through everyone. I want him to be a little bit more refined. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I could not tell you how many times while watching that game last night, Giannis would drive into the paint. There were three guys around him, and he would just flail the ball in the neighborhood of somewhere out on the perimeter. Looked like 18 or 19 Giannis, where he would just drive, draw four defenders, kick it out, cross your fingers, someone hits the three. That's not going to work. That's not going to get it done. Right? It might beat the Nuggets JV squad. It might be enough to beat the Pacers. But we saw in 2018-2019 against the Raptors, and then we saw the next year against the Heat. That just doesn't work. You can't do drive and kick, drive and kick, drive and kick, especially if you're a team that doesn't shoot the three ball very well. The Badgers, well, the Badgers don't either, but the, the Bucks don't shoot the three very well. If Grayson Allen has a nice night, okay. Pat Connaughton hit a couple last night, but I don't want to live and die with a three-point shot. The, the Bucks have tried to do that in the playoffs before. It doesn't work. So when Drew was hurt and when Chris Middleton was out, yeah, Giannis had to do more, and it looked a little bit more like those two Giannis MVP seasons. But with a healthier cast around him, he shouldn't have to do all that, and I don't want him playing like that. It, it looked a little clunky, a little unrefined last night. Really good, Jason. Thank you for the text. Completely agree, 100%. Vagabond John says, it's January in the NBA. How many games have the Bucks' big four started together? Uh, two? All year? I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. Almost none. But it's not about who's on the floor. It just doesn't look like they have a lot of snooze right now. They don't have a lot of mustard. And, and I get it. It's late January. But I'm just calling it like I see it. The Nuggets came out. They were playing with joy. They were playing with aggression. They were looking to make a statement last night. And the Bucks were like, man, I just... I hope the clock hits zero when we're winning because this would be a brutal loss. Again, get it because it's late January, but I'm not, not going to say what I saw, and that's what I saw. Let's take a couple-minute break, come back. I want to talk about Nathaniel Hackett, who is now the offensive coordinator of the Jets. There's a, there's a couple different things, a couple different angles I want to hit with this. Let's do that next. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. I was scrolling Twitter over this last break. 
And I said back at 4 o'clock, there's just a lot of complaining in the sports world right now. A lot of complaining. Some of it is valid. Like, yeah, it sucks that so many superstars are hurt in the NBA. And it sucks even worse that on any given night, a lot of superstars are also resting. Second night of a back-to-back or a sorny. It sucks. I don't need three weeks of podcasts about it. I don't need every tweet I read to be about it. Like, I had a I had a roommate in college who had a great with words. Great turn of phrase. One of the funniest guys I've ever met. He just had a, a way. He had a couple of expressions that he would say that I only heard from him. And I still, I, I love expressions. I write them down in my phone anytime I hear a new one. Because I, I just think that's the spice of life. Being able to say what everyone else is saying, but say it differently. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And now, of course, I forgot which of his expressions I was about to say. Oh, I remember. I remember I would, I would come home from class or I'd come home from, you know, whatever. And he'd be in the living room of our college house or he, he'd be in the dorm room with me. And be like, oh, Grant, how was blah, blah, blah. And I'd go, oh, it sucked. You know, I got a bad grade and ah, I got a sore ankle or whatever. And his favorite thing to say would be, well, I hear if you cry about it, that helps. Like, he, that's always what he would say. And I just thought that was funny. I hear if you cry about it, that'll help. Obviously, it won't help. It'll just make it worse. That's how I feel about this. It's like, oh, you're mad that a bunch of stars in the NBA are injured? Oh, a bunch of bunch of players are sitting out. I hear if you cry about it, that'll help. Or we could just ignore it and talk about something else and, and just cast it aside as this frustrating thing and watch college basketball or watch the games where the players are healthy or just watch a movie, for God's sake. Go outside and take a walk. There's just so much complaining. There's so much complaining about Aaron Rodgers. Look, I'm really frustrated when Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have come up short in the playoffs. I don't stew over the offseason and try to come up with a list of ways that Aaron Rodgers has annoyed me this week. I just let it, let it, let it go off your shoulders like a, like a warm ray of sun, like a puff of, of cool winter air in the breeze. I don't know. You know what I mean? There's so much complaint about the NBA, about the Bucks, And then over this last commercial break, I saw three or four tweets about the hiring of Frank Reich, who was hired to be the head coach of the Panthers today. And there was another hire, Nathaniel today that I want to talk about next. But quickly, Frank Reich, who was fired by the Colts this last year to be replaced with Jeff Saturday. Okay. Now he's been hired by David Tepper and the Carolina Panthers, assumedly to shepherd in a new quarterback, whether it's through the draft or whether they bring in somebody, a reclamation project or a free agent or a, a trade target, whatever. And I see all these tweets. Well, I like Frank Wright, but Steve Wilkes really got job here. See, Steve Wilkes got the short end of the stick. I, I, They should have kept Steve Wilkes. Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe Steve Wilkes is the answer? I, I like Steve Wilkes. He did a good job stabilizing the ship last year. Keeping the interim is never the right thing to do. Ever. It, it's like a bad relationship. It's a toxic relationship. And then you break up. And then you go out to the bar in two weeks and you meet this nice girl. You meet this nice guy and you're like, oh, this is great. It's not that they're the the person that you met that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with. There's anybody else. They're, they're an, uh, the healthy alternative to who you were with before, right? You're in a two-year-long relationship and it's terrible and it finally ends and you're free. And you go out and you have a drink and you, you meet this nice woman. Wow, she, isn't she nice? Just don't propose to her. Don't lock her up for a three-year commitment. Just... No, it's nice to get away from the situation you were in before. That's, for the most part, every interim coach, right? Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, was bad. And Matt Rule was bad, that art smock-wearing knob. That doesn't mean Steve Wilkes is Jesus Christ as a coach. It just means he's not Matt Rule, okay? Keeping the interim is never the correct way. Also, 
I know the Panthers started one and four. Don't tell me, well, Steve Wilkes, you got the team to 500. Well, is that the, is that the bar we're aiming for? I don't know. We always need to be complaining about something. Steve Wilkes got screwed. When have you ever thought about Steve Wilkes before today? When have you, when have you ever, you be, I didn't understand that I followed five or six card holding members of the Steve Wilkes fan club. It's just, man, it's one thing after another. Complain, complain, complain today. Just sick of it. 608-796-2558. Let's talk to, or not talk to, let's talk about Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett's here. Yeah, he's, he's giving us a call. Let's talk about Nathaniel Hackett being hired to be the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets. This is tremendous content. This is fantastic. Normally, normally I get really annoyed when people say, well, this will be great for sports radio. Andrew Brandt tweets that like 100 times a year about Philly. Oh, Philly sports radio will love this. Shut up. Don't don't speak for us. Don't tell us what we like and what we won't like on sports radio. We'll, we'll make that decision for ourselves. Don't tell me what content will, will be wildfire for the show. However, Adam Schefter was correct today when he tweeted, a gift to sports talk radio for days to come. New Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett has a lot of friends with the Packers for whatever that's worth. Thank you, Adam, for highlighting that for us. Adam Schefter also tweeted this. Uh, I don't think I believe this for one second. The Jets interviewed more than 15 offensive coordinator candidates before hiring Nathaniel Hackett, who once helped lead a top five point scored offense in Jacksonville to the AFC championship game. He's also pretty good with the Packers. One Aaron Rodgers, two MVPs. I just don't believe they interviewed more than 15 offensive coordinator candidates. I, I When was the last time you did anything 15 times? I can't think of it. I can't send 15 text messages in a conversation without letting a conversation die. You get about five or six from me, and now I, I need a break. I need to put my phone away for a couple of hours. Maybe I'll come back to you tomorrow. But I 15, to, 15 offensive coordinators? I don't even know if I could name 15 offensive coordinator candidates off the top of my head without Googling anything. I don't believe for a second they interviewed 15 people. <laughs> I do not believe it. I love this hire for the Jets. I wonder why Nathaniel Hackett ended up there and not with the Packers. I wonder how hard Matt LaFleur really pushed to get him back. I'm interested. Hopefully time will tell and we learn more about what uh, came to pass this offseason. Let's talk to FedEx Fred, 608-796-2558. What's up, Fred? I don't even see 15 customers on my route yeah, with FedEx seriously, seriously, 15 interviews? How do you even keep them all straight? I don't believe that. And, and how, and you interviewed 15 people in that short amount of time? Yeah, would you but get coffee on. with people? No. Schefter <laughs> is spreading propaganda again. I don't believe it at all. Schefter just needs those clicks. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> needs those retweets, that, that interaction. So I, I I wanted to call because yesterday you were talking about Rogers on the McAfee show and what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, is this just going to end up like it did last year where <laughs> rumors go around, Probably. he's going to retire, and then from the retirement, it's, oh, he's going to get traded. He's going to get traded. And then it goes from being traded to, oh, he just renegotiated his contract with Green Bay. He's staying. Yeah. That's the last one's probably what's going to happen, right, Grant? Uh, I don't know. I, I do know that if, and I said this yesterday, if the Packers are going to trade Rodgers, it's going to happen this offseason. Everything is lined up for it to make most sense and be most feasible this offseason. If they don't trade him now, it's never going to happen. So it, it, it's kind of a, a big-picture philosophy question. 
Are the Packers willing to move off of Aaron Rodgers at any point? If they are, then it's probably going to happen. But if they are just thinking Rodgers is finishing his career here, we're never going to trade him, we're never going to run him out of town to go somewhere else, well, then no, he's staying. It's it's more of a philosophical, philosophical, you know the word. It's more of a philosophical yeah. question of the Packers because if they have a, a, a 1% chance of doing it, they're probably going to do it this offseason. Well, then, then that leads into another question. Which teams can financially take on an Aaron Rodgers contract? And with doing that, how much is Green Bay going to have to eat out of that contract? I believe if Rodgers is traded, and I have this written down somewhere, I believe they eat around $40 million. But that number goes up next year. It doesn't get, it doesn't get easier to trade him moving forward, which is why I'm saying if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. Uh, if he is traded or retires, their dead cap hit next year is $40 million. If it's post-June 1, then it's $15 million this year and $24 million next year. So if they wait, I'm actually not opposed to waiting. I don't need the draft picks this year. I- I'm perfectly fine waiting to get the draft picks until next year. I'm fine with that if it saves you a little money. But but the point and, and what you're asking is, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money this year. It's even yeah. more if they okay. do it next year or the year after. All righty. And then, what can you expect for in return for a soon-to-be forty-year-old Aaron Rodgers? Not a whole lot, because I, I think. Yeah, go ahead. Because Russell Wilson kind of ruined any sort of getting three-plus first-round draft picks. Yeah, and Russell Wilson came up yesterday, Fred. I don't remember who it was. I think it was Zach. It was Maytag man who brought it up. I don't know that Russell Wilson ruined the veteran quarterback trade. I just think general managers are going to start to realize that it's. It's not good practice. It's it's not a good strategy to build a defense and a running game and an offense first and then add the quarterback last. Because how many times have we seen it fail? The Vikings tried to do it with Kirk. The Broncos tried to do it with Russ. The Colts have tried with three different guys. They tried Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. The Bears once upon a yeah. time tried it with Nick Foles. It's just not good process. I, I, I don't care if the if it's Aaron Rodgers who's good or Kirk Cousins who's mid-tier. It's, it's really hard to take a great defense and add the quarterback after the fact. You, you need both of them to grow together. Yes. And that that was pretty much it, besides saying the Badgers basketball team looks pretty bad right now, Grant. <sighs> Fred, what are we gonna do with them? I don't I what are we gonna do? I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna get on the fire great guard talk because I don't think he deserves to be fired. Yeah. It's there's I I don't know if there's leadership on that team. Or mm-hmm. Somebody that can be on a player on that team who just looks at people and says, we need to stop taking stupid shots <laughs> at stupid times during the game. Yeah. Because this team just somehow thinks, oh, we're down by five. There's a minute and a half left. We got to throw up a three with 21 seconds still left on the shot clock. Yeah. It, it's not. It's this. I'm, I'm going to be shocked if this team makes it to the big dance this year. Oh, all right. Now we're now we're talking a little crazy. Although we can revisit. Let's give it another week and see how we feel in a week. Okay, Fred? Just just take a deep breath and let's give it seven days. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night, Fred. Appreciate the call. FedXFred, 608-796-2558. I did not tweet out the results of the Greg Gard meter last night because they didn't change. Right, we didn't have a vastly different result from the other night. So on Saturday, the Greg Gard gauge will be back. Uh, I will straw poll all of Badgers fandom for the approval rating of the head coach, and we'll see where we stand. Uh, ooh, we got a couple. We got a couple of texts about this. This is fun. 
Vagabond John, and then I got a text from somebody else. Please follow up with your name because, again, I lost all my contacts like an idiot. Vagabond John said, I needed that message when Jim Leonard was the interim. He was Wisconsin's rebound. Disaster avoided. This text says, is Steve Wilkes the Jim Leonard of the Panthers? It could be. Maybe. Steve Wilkes, is, uh, he's also been around the block. Jim Leonard is young and up and coming. So they were both interims, but they very different coaches once you lift that title away and actually look under the hood uh, under just interim coach. Very different coaches, but in the same position. Let's talk to Nick and Madison real quick. 608-796-2558. What's up, Nick? Hey, Grant. How are you? I am swell. Um, I heard Fred talking, and I had to chime in. I, I actually am on the same page as him. I don't think this team is uh, poised to make the, play, the, the big dance. They're going to have to win eight of their last, what, 10 games, 11 games. And you look at their schedule, they ain't doing it. They got to get to 20. They're at 12. Yeah. And it, it's they're going to run the gamut. They've got two games against Michigan. They've got the game against Purdue. Um, you know, they've got games against Illinois. I don't see that. I don't know. The way that they've been playing the last couple of weeks, I just don't see it. And I want. I tried to call in on Eagles show this morning, but unfortunately it just didn't work out. Three team was ranked number 14, and I laughed at it. And I got ridiculed for saying that they shouldn't even be in the top 25. And here we are just three weeks later, and they're talking about maybe making the big dance. How? How do you fall off the face of the earth? And you don't don't say it's Wall. Don't say that, you know, Wall missing those three games has anything to do with it. He's he's come back. And they've still lost. You know, they lost to Northwestern. They lost to Maryland. They shouldn't have lost those games if they were number 14 in the country. You know? They should have lost both of them. That's for sure. Right. Take one. You know, I I went into this week and, and I looked at it and said, you know, if they win two out of three, Okay, maybe they maybe they've got a chance. Or they ain't winning two out of three. And the way that they played last night, they're not going to beat Illinois. Um, you know, uh, guard got asked last night in a post game interview. You know, what do you need? And, and basically, they need more movement other than the Connor season. You know, those guys just stand around expecting bleep to happen. You know, yeah. they're they're not going to they're not going to you know throw up a desperation three with you know twenty one seconds left in the shot clock. And pray that it goes in. The, uh, two of the, uh, what was it? The Penn State game, and I think there was a game where Wall was out. Uh, Chucky just throws up a desperation three. It's like, why are you throwing that up now? And it's just gotten to be so frustrating. Watch these guys just stand there with their thumbs up their butts, other than Connor Seijin. And you know, he's not the one to really speak up and say anything. He's not a leader. He's a freshman. Yeah. You know, uh, nobody's going to look up to him and say, "Oh, I want to play like that." But at the same time, you know, that's what they need. They need to be playing like that. Um, I don't think guards on the fire guard, you know, uh, hot seat. Um, he's got a pretty decent recruiting class coming in. And the nice thing is they've got, you know, some guys that are deeper on the bench that haven't gotten a whole lot of playing time that will be better later in the years. But for the rest of this year, unless you win eight, seven, eight, nine games and make it, you know, Make it a deep run into the Big Ten tournament. The NIT. Mm, you don't have the most uh, optimistic group of callers today. Nick, I got to take a break. I want to talk about all those things that you said when we come back, but I got to get one more break in. Go run like six or seven miles and blow off some steam tonight. Uh, I, 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 
I ran into, I would have run into Ebo today, but I had to get my lift in a little bit early. That a boy. Get after it, Nick. Hey, it was well, nice to hear from you. You too. Take care. Nick in Madison. Shot selection. Let's talk about shot selection next, because I don't know if this is an easy fix, like I think some Badgers fans think it is. We'll just take better shots. I don't know if it's that easy. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Final play, it looks like barring a penalty. Prescott over the middle of the turkey. Gets smoked right away, and that'll do it. The 49ers back to the championship game. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. We were lucky enough to get a call from Nick and Madison, so I feel like I can't just breeze by his call just because he was unlucky and called right before we had to take a break. Nick and Madison and FedEx Fred and Daniel Madison all brought up a similar point about Badgers basketball. Shot selection is poor. Right? Chucky Heffern just heaving up threes at the end of games. Uh, Connor Seijan forcing shots and Tyler Wall forcing shots. I'm with you. The shot selection is poor. But I don't know if that's a... I don't know if that's a problem that we can just coach out of these guys. I don't know if that's a problem that... As simple as take better shots. I think if the batters could take better shots, they would. They're really struggling to get open. And, you know, some of these things we've talked about. Chucky Hepburn is short, right? It's hard for him to get looks. It's hard for him to get to the rim. It's hard for him to get to his spots. He's short. He's always shooting over people. Tyler Wall is undersized for the position that he plays. And he's skilled, but he's not that skilled. And he's athletic, but he's not that athletic. So if he faces a double team or, or a... Uh, a guy who comes over from the weak side just to show just a little bit. He's not hes not that guy. He can't just cross over a guy, spin move. He, he's not that skilled. Connor Asijan can get to his shots, but they don't let him. They don't let him breathe. Because opposing defenses have realized Connor Asijan's really the only pure natural scorer night to night to night. So we're going to really make him work, and we're going to try to make sure the ball doesn't get to him. Nobody is given the opportunity right now to take good shots. That's why all the shots stink. All these players are forced to take poor shots. So I agree with Nick and Madison. I agree with Daniel Madison. Yeah, shot selection is bad, but it's because the opposing defense is forcing them to take bad shots, and the Badgers haven't had an answer. They haven't been able to get to their spots and get free to take good shots. It's going to be part of the challenge against Illinois on Saturday. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an outstanding night. I want to talk about the Nathaniel Hackett news. He's now with the Jets, which thickens the plot of Aaron Rodgers possibly going there to trade this offseason. But if you want to talk Bucks, if you want to talk Badgers, be happy to take your call. 608-796-2558. I believe we have David Middleton for the second day in a row. Dave, to what do we owe this pleasure? A little bit change of schedule, so I get to be an active participant as opposed to a... uh, Happy listener. We love that, Dave. What's going on? Welcome. Happy to have you. Thank you. Uh, am I wrong, or is uh, the Badger basketball team still running some version of the swing offense? To tell you that you're wrong, uh, you like, yeah, I, I will just say you're correct. Yes, you are correct in that, 100%. Okay, well, that's part of the problem. Uh, 
that came in with Bo Ryan, and what was that like twenty years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think uh, by this time uh, opponents have figured out how to defend it. I think also that that particular style of offense does not uh, match up well with the advent and the proliferation of the three-point shot. And I also think it's uh, a cover-up for mediocre uh, basketball players. So all in all, I would say that uh, the Badger um, basketball program is stagnant. I think uh, they're not going to be able to correct the shot by coaching. And my um, observation is that uh, guard has to go. Oh, so you we have one for the fire guard crowd today. You're the first one, Dave. <laughs> but I'm sure I won't be the last. Yeah, I, well, the swing offense is interesting because it's got, like any offense, it's got strengths and weaknesses, like a a big part of the swing is you can kind of change guys around and play them at different positions, right? Which is great if you have guys that can be changed around and play at different positions. I don't know if this roster is really conducive for positionless basketball. Tyler Wall is sized like a four. When you're playing against big opposing centers, he can't move to the fight. He's not big enough. Steven Crowell is not good enough as an outside shooter to move from the five. Chucky Hepburn's your point guard. That's basically it. The swing offense is also very repetitive. And I think, I think a lot of fans are feeling that. Like it feels like they're trying the same thing every time they bring the ball down the floor, doesn't it, Dave? Yeah. And another thing, do you think the use of the swing offense uh, makes some higher level players hesitant to come here? I wonder. Well, you know, last year showed that Johnny Davis, a higher level player, can be inserted and can really make plays in this offense. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think it's the specific offense the Badgers run. I think it's their slow burn, let's say, philosophy as a program where you're going to probably not play as much as a freshman, going to bring you along slowly. I just, I think that's maybe the turnoff more than anything else. Although Johnny Davis showed that in two years, you can come in and be a lottery pick, right? In that swing offense and you can be really successful. Johnny Davis is a great example of someone who can succeed in the swing because he could play the point guard. He could play the four. He could defend a lot of those positions, and he could attack from anywhere on the floor. The swing offense is a big opportunity to be taken advantage of, but not every player is wired to take advantage of it. Not every player is good enough to take advantage of it. He was a very unique individual and a very talented guy, that's for sure. Yeah, he was He was just a killer, Dave. Well, we got one down for Fire Greg Guard. I appreciate you being so brave and, and putting that out there, Dave. <laughs> okay, Um uh, Look forward to the Illinois game. Hopefully they'll play better. You have a good evening. Yeah, you as well, Dave. And we're all hoping that they play better against Illinois. My God. The swing offense is interesting. It's the same with any other offense. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad. It depends on your personnel. I wonder I, I wonder if there are players that come into Wisconsin that are limited by the swing offense. Right? Like maybe they could be better doing something else or they could succeed and their skill set would shine doing something else. And I'm sure there's players that are helped a lot by the swing offense, right? The swing offense is a little bit slower, a little bit lower, and it's passing, cutting, screening. It's it's very fundamental basketball at its core, right? So if you don't have players that are buttoned up and fundamentally sound, it's going to be a struggle to run the swing. And I think maybe that's why players develop 
more slowly at Wisconsin sometimes is you got to be good at everything. You got to be good at defending, cutting, screening, pat. Like you need to be well-rounded to come in and run the swing. And maybe that's where some players come in as a freshman. It's like, hey, I can shoot the lights out, but I can't do any of these other things. Well, maybe you're not going to have a huge role in year one then. Right? Like Connor Asijan is is a good example of somebody who's got the offense, but is going to struggle with other things this season, and he's going to come on a little more slowly as a result. See here, Jeremiah from Lacrosse says, "My bad, the Badgers got whooped last night. Every time I bet them, they effing lose." Uh, yeah, I, man, man, that's on you. I don't know, Jeremiah. I'm not wading into those waters. Jared and DeForest. When I asked him if he ever misses DeForest for the trees, he says, "No, but I do live by the river in DeForest." Oh, I guess I wasn't that far off. I get a text here, John in South Eau Claire says, when are you coming to Monks in Eau Claire? I don't know, but we should send Kenny and Heilprin up there. We should send them all over the state. I think we should send Bill Michaels up there too for a huddle. It's just so far from that corner of the state. I feel because I'm from Eau Claire. I'm from that area. I'm from Menominee. It's so far from everything, as much as I love it up there. Dave in Monona, 608-796-2558. What's up, Dave? What's going on? Hey, that guy in Eau Claire, yeah. Uh, ben and Zach, yeah, if, you, if you want to get bored to death... <laughs> and get put to sleep, you know. Then go ahead and send Ben and Zach. No, you send Evo and Nelson. At least they got a little excitement to them. Ben and Zach are two people exactly for all those who don't know Ben and Zach. I know Grant Slobbers, mainly in love with both of them. Wants wants to have their man child. They're my they're, some my, reason they're you, my coworkers. They're they host a good show. It's a little drier. It's, it's more serious, but it's a very good show. Come on, it puts you to sleep. But that's uh, here or there. <laughs> Um, Badger basketball, they were a 10 seed going into the last night. You beat Illinois, you're back to being a 10 seed. All you got to do is pluck off a Michigan or a Purdue at home. Yeah. And you're, you're going to jump up seed wise. So everybody's thinking, took all this Saturday's game is a dire end. I'm actually going to that game Saturday. So, but those, those who think the season's over, no. Yep. The, the Badgers probably is two things in the last five years. One, they can't defend a hot shooter. He, Greg Gard refuses to go zone, two, three, whatever, to stop a hot shooter. He thinks different player, different result. No, that's been my big issue with Greg because a man-to-man can be exploited by one good player, and it normally is. As you guys can tell, to the rack, to the rack, to the rack, to the rack we go. Yeah. And dunk, dunk, dunk kick out three-pointer. I, I wish, I, I mean, I know it never happened, but I wish once Kyra would just go to a packet into a 2-3 zone and then, you know, take, take, take away the middle from shooters. I know he's stubborn. Bo Ryan would, you know, would roll over in his grave or wherever he's out partying these days. You know, but uh, it, it, it'll be a dressy cream of badger, badger basketball. Mm-hmm. These white guys will not dunk. What is it with white players well, who will not dunk the ball? Take the ball to the wreck. You're seven foot tall. Get up there and dunk the ball. You know what I think it is? I think it's a response to Ben Kenny's criticism of Connor Siegen when he dunked earlier this year at the end of a game when he could have just iced it. But I don't remember who it was against. So maybe uh, I don't know. Kenny and Heilpern, that's a powerful voice in your in your town. People listen to what these two have to say. I don't, I, I, I don't think either one of them say it goes back to, I remember when it was Orlando Tucker at the end of a game um, playing Michigan State and um, um, Tom Izzo. They're up by 10 or 12, 
he steals the ball and dunks it right in their face. You know, yeah. Tucker didn't Tucker Tucker didn't do layups. Michael Flowers didn't do layups. They dunked the damn thing. You're seven foot tall, Steve or Tyler. Dunk it instead of trying to make love to the rim. But that's the problem. You know, I just I just never understand white guys who won't dunk. Uh, it's just anyway. I digress. I got you. But no, but, but anyway. For all this is all this is up there. You've had another great day listening to Dave from Noni. Actually, learned something. Are now, you, uh, if you'd all just write in, oop. if you'd all write in, if we could get rid of uh, get rid of um, Granado, we, hell, we'd be all, we'd be all set. Do you? Um, speaking of coaches, I, I want to ask everyone: are, are you in the fire guard crowd or no? No, because you want to know why I like guard. Um, I hated, I couldn't stand Paul Chris because he didn't do a damn thing off the field for for uh, causes and personal personal things. He could kill us with the fans. Great guard, and I'm selfish. I, I have stage four cancer. That man and Bo Ryan did more for cancer and yeah. do more for cancer off the court. That's why I like Greg Guard. But yes, he's got to change with the system. Also, one final thing about Greg Guard is he's going to have to tap into the uh, transfer portal. Otherwise, he may be forced out of here. You have got to bring some guards in your next two years. You got two back to back pretty good recruiting classes. But you're going to have no shooting guards, and you've got to find somehow to bring in a. Because look at their bench, Grant. Seven, eight, nine, ten players the last four years. Not great. Shouldn't even be on a division a D three roster. Yeah, it's not. And when great. you're going five, you're going five deep, and Jordan Davis is your sixth player. You're in trouble. But no, no, I'm not. I'm not a big great, great guard because of what the man does off. But hey, he recruits four star players. I mean, what more? What more do people want? Except if he would just change, and I'll, I'll tell him this too. Someday I hope I bump into him. I'll tell me either change or your time. Your times are coming, buddy. Yeah, college sports are changing quickly. I appreciate you, Dave. Thanks for the call. Um, I'm I'm with you on, and I knew you weren't going to say goodbye. Goodbye, Dave. Uh, I'm with you on the transfer portal. They had needs this off season, and they 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 try to get guys in here. They're just not very deep. They don't really have great options. And it's kind of dependent on the night who they've called on, right? Like Isaac Lindsay got a lot of run last night. And I, I I guess I don't not like Isaac Lindsay. I don't have an opinion on Isaac Lindsay. I'm not supposed to have an opinion on Isaac Lindsay. Like that's not, it's not supposed to be a hot button issue. I'm not, we're not supposed to sit around the dinner table and debate Isaac Lindsay. Vagabond John is here. 608-796-2558. What's up, John? I lost it for the last 15 minutes. Didn't think I'd be able to uh, call in. I thought I would be shoveling snow for the entirety of the show. But, you just uh, missed Dave. A early. You're following Dave. Oh, Dave. Monona Dave, I imagine. Yeah, he, his call was pretty good. I, I don't think he said anything too out of pocket. I didn't disagree with anything he said. He's come back with a, a renewed sense of realism, and I, I really appreciate that. But um, wanted to uh, paint a picture of last night's Badger game. Uh, just just one thing that I don't think enough people are talking about. You cannot have the only guy on your team that is taller than 6'9", have more turnovers than rebounds. Yeah. If that happens, you will not win the basketball game. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and I was curious, and I was thinking to myself, man, we haven't had – Purdue is known for always having like seven – Ten giants, right? Yeah, they're all rock, myself, they're all Rocky villains. All of them, Zach Eady and Isaac Haas before him, they all look like Rocky villains. They're massive. Where do these guys come from? I'm thinking to myself, Greg Gard just doesn't seem to be able to get a tall guy. And then I did my research in the last 25 minutes, 
uh, you know, once I was done shoveling snow. Stephen Crowell is the only seven-footer that they've had since Greg Gard took over. Interesting. I did not know that. So that's some painting some context. Because we're always talking about where is the lack of depth, right? You need these guys that are 6'8 and play in the post. Those are the ones that need to develop. You know, if you get a seven-footer, he can come in as a sophomore and at least get rebounds. Because yeah. yesterday, I think that was, you know, everyone's saying, complaining about it. What are we going to change? What are we going to change? I just think you got to get guys that can rebound the basketball. They were uh, they got crushed on the boards uh, after beating Maryland on the boards the first time, so that was concerning. And then, you know, for all of my haters out there who uh, grabbed their pitchforks when I said, yes, Greg Gard, really not great at developing talent. Yeah. Yeah. Who on this team would you say has really developed well? Because Crowell, you know, he came in as a pretty low three-star. Now he's getting more turnovers and rebounds. He's had a better year for sure. But the problem is that consistency part. And as a person who coaches sports, consistency is like your job. Like, how can you get your player to be consistent? Yeah. Like, so do so, we, what so we know at, what to expect night in and night out. We know what we're going to get. It's not always some mystery box of, of what said player is going to do Tuesday night to Thursday night to Saturday night. Yeah, that's my thing. Uh, that's my more recent Greg Gard take. Do I think he should be fired? No, but I also didn't think Paul Chris should have been fired. And uh, I do think that's a worthwhile comparison to make. I think the programs are incredibly similar in the way that, you know, sometimes Camp Randall feels like it's a graveyard and nobody's standing and nobody's yelling. I'm excited for the game on Saturday. Going with a couple buddies. Will to get several Long Islands at the Red Shed nice. so that if I'm yelling if I'm yelling and screaming on defense and no one around me is I won't even notice I'll be in my own special place not a boy That's make, it, make it about you you take over your section you elevate you be the rising tide that lifts all ships at the Kohl's Center on Saturday and say bye to David Monona he's going to be there too perfect hopefully you'll hear both my voice and Dave's voice through the TV because we'll be the only one making noise. It'll yeah. be exciting. Dave's voice can carry. Dave's got a booming voice. He really does. He absolutely does. Right. Uh, well, Grant, that's really all I had today. Uh, NBA, it's tough, man. This is why I just generally stay away from it in January, even though I want to watch. That's I want to watch, and then you turn it on, and you're like, they just don't look like they want to play. And I forgot who the national commentator was. They're just like, there's just really not a lot of defense happening in the NBA right now. I think it was uh, commenting on the Bucks' 150 point game, but yeah, it was a good, it was a good NBA lounge. I appreciated that. Oh yeah, we got to stay up to date with our teams. Thank you, Vagabond John. I'm gonna let you go. Yes, sir. Later. Have a good one. Sir. Yeah, the Bucks really did not look too intent on playing defense any more than they had to last night. I believe I tweeted about it at some point, and Vagabond John tweeted this last night. Just gonna go out on a limb and say Tyler Wall should not lead this team in shot attempts ever. Uh, I would probably agree. I don't want crunch time. Oh, we got to get the ball into Tyler Wall. Spread out. It's like, oh, God, it's 1986. So I'm with you, Vagabond John. I appreciate the call. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. You can text and call the show, 608-796-2558. Let's get back into football next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. A couple of texts here, 608-796-2558. And please text in your name if you're sending texting because I lost all my contacts again. This text says, I've yet to hear a commentator call a game with the level of detail Blind Dave provides on his analysis. How can he see what the Badgers are doing for defense? Braille TVs? Yeah, so if you don't know, Dave from Monona is blind. I don't know how Dave does most of the things that he does. Because if you're on Twitter, you know that Dave is, like, very active on Twitter. Super active. Like, Dave sees everything. They call him the wizard for a reason. I don't know how he does it. I truthfully, I I don't. And I know he does, like, some voice-to-text stuff, but he essentially would have to open Twitter and be like, Siri, read me all these tweets. And then he just finds the tweet. It's unbelievable. I don't know how he does it. He's a magician. He's a wizard. Says he better not. uh, This is a text on to uh, Vagabond John's plan to be loud at the Kohl's Center. Says he better not be standing up in front of me or I'll start throwing stuff at him. LOL. Stand up. This is a thing at Lambeau, too. Down in front. Man, we drove to Green Bay. There's not a single place in Wisconsin that it's convenient to drive from to Green Bay. There's not a single town. Have you ever talked to somebody and been like, yeah, I live in XYZ town. It's super easy to get to Lambo. Of course not. It doesn't exist. Okay, so if you are going to a Packer game, you've decided to inconvenience yourself to basically the highest level that you can in the state of Wisconsin. There's no less inconvenient place to go for 98% of the state. If you're coming from Eau Claire, it sucks. If you're coming from Superior, it sucks. If you're coming from La Crosse, it sucks. It sucks. If you're coming from Milwaukee, it sucks, but it sucks less. Don't tell that to Milwaukee people, though, because there's nobody who loves to bitch about the drive to Green Bay like the people who live in Milwaukee, which is ridiculous, but whatever. Big city privilege, ivory tower, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is not a single place in this state where it's it's easy to just hop in your car, drive to Lambeau. No, no, no. It is a pain. And that's why it's so weird to me. When you go to Packer games, there should be a, a, a rule. It, it should be understood that we have gone out of our way to get to this place. We should want to get loaded and, and cheer loudly. At the very least, stand up, okay? Clap your hands on third down. I guess I'm not asking you to hoot and holler. You don't have to if you don't want, but, you know, we, we, we've come this far. We've come all this way. It's, it's like going to the it's like going to the Caribbean. It's going to the Dominican Republic on vacation. You never put a swimsuit on and go outside on the beach. Well, what was the point? What was the point of going all this way if not to stand up and cheer on third down? It's very bizarre. So don't be like, you better not stand up in front of me unless you have no legs. Uh, just stand up with him. If Vagabond John's standing up, it's probably a pretty good sign that you should stand up too. Rising tide lifts all ships. Vagabond John can be that rising tide. We were talking a little bit earlier about Nathaniel Hackett being the offensive coordinator for the Jets. I think this is fantastic. This is as good as it gets from a content perspective, from an Aaron Rodgers perspective. I, I, I love everything about this. I love what the Jets are doing. I love it even more after we didn't see this work in Denver a year ago. I think that's what's funniest of all about this. It's like, oh, the Jets, they're bringing in Nathaniel Hackett because they're trying to lure Aaron Rodgers. I I just, I think this is so funny. We literally saw this fail last year. Now, I'm a big guy who supports bringing in failed coaches. I've talked about this. I'm, I'm big into that. I'm big, go get a failed coach because if a coach has just been fired, there might be a re- like there might be uh, a situation where a coach is terrible and they're toxic and but but a lot of times when coaches are fired it's because their players weren't very good 
the owner and, and this coach didn't see eye to eye, the GM didn't see eye to eye, the, the staff was changing over, well, whatever it might be. That's not the fault of the coach. If a coach has been fired, chances are they're a good coach and they can bring something to your staff. I would have loved Nathaniel Hackett back in Green Bay. I hope that Matt LaFleur reached out, tried to make it happen. Part of me fears that, like, well, no, Adam Stenovich is, is learning and, and this and that. It's like, Matt LaFleur is so, so scared of flipping over the apple cart on his coaching staff that he's going to turn away talented coaches. I hope that's not the case. But I'm happy that he's with the Jets, and I'm even happier after we literally watched this go so poorly in Denver just a couple months ago. I just love watching teams attempt things. I love watching teams attempt things that I know will not work, and I absolutely know that this won't work for the Jets. I loved watching the Wolves trade for Rudy Gobert because it was so hilarious from day one that it was going to be a bad idea, that it was going to go poorly, that it was going to be a bad trade, and it didn't make sense in the near term. It didn't make sense in the long term. It never, no part of it ever made sense. And it was so funny to watch it happen because it's it's funny to be, it's like a parent watching a kid run around in the yard. It's like, oh, he's going to trip and fall. He's going to do this. Like you just, I, I, I have risen above apparently the brain trust of the Minnesota Timberwolves to understand that Rudy Gobert was not going to work. And he sure certainly wasn't going to work for that much for five first round picks or whatever it was in all those places. It was never going to work. It was never going to work. And it was really fun to watch it happen. I'm going to enjoy watching the Jets try to get Aaron Rodgers because I know it won't work. Even if they get Aaron Rodgers, I know it won't work. Right? Maybe Hackett does grease the wheels enough to get Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. And we talked about this yesterday, and I, and I talked about this with, I believe it was FedEx Fred earlier. If the Packers are ever going to trade Rodgers, if they have a, a bone in their body that will allow them or encourage them to trade Rodgers, it's going to happen now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen now. This is, this is the confluence of all the events, the, the aligning of the stars that makes sense for the trade of Aaron Rodgers. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. Maybe he does. And maybe Nathaniel Hackett just helps grease the wheels further to get him to the Jets. But I know that the Jets won't be contenders with Rodgers. I know it won't work. They might go 500. They might go 8-9, and nine, you know, 10-7. and seven. That's it. It's not, it's not a good strategy. The Vikings tried it with Kirk Cousins. It did not work. The Broncos tried it with Russell Wilson. It's not working. The Colts have been trying it for three years with different quarterbacks. They tried Phillip Rivers, fail. Carson Wentz, fail. Matt Ryan, fail. Every time, it might have been even worse. Every year, it got worse. The Bears tried it with Nick Foles. And I get that Rodgers is better than all those guys. I, I do. I understand. Even at age 39. But it's it's not about the level of quarterback. It's just a bad team-building strategy. It's not about the quality of the individual ingredients. It's that the recipe stinks. It's a bad way to build a team. It's a bad way to build a team. It's a, it's a dumb thing to build your defense and build your running game and draft this and build that and then pay a, a 125% tax to bring in an aging quarterback. It's just not a good way to do business. You need to build your team alongside your quarterback. It makes financial sense. It makes chemistry sense. It makes all the sense in the world. It, it just doesn't work to build the environment and then bring the quarterback in. And if the Rams wouldn't have won the Super Bowl last year like they shouldn't have won the Super Bowl, we'd have no bits of evidence of this ever working. And it's going to continue to go poorly for the Rams. It's going to be worse next year than it was this year. And it's probably going to get worse the year after because they don't have any picks, they don't have any money. And Matthew Stafford's always hurt, and he's not that good, which people have seemed to forget because he won a Super Bowl. But bad quarterbacks do win Super Bowls sometimes. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to call or text the show, as John Boy has done, as Jeremiah and Lacrosse has done. Apparently, 
Jeremiah is cursing the Badgers by betting on them. Let's stop doing that, Jeremiah. Please and thank you. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. Let's take a break. I want to talk more about the NFL and why I'm in love with the AFC. I am in love with the AFC. Let's talk about that next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. We're just talking about Nathaniel Hackett going to the Jets. I found this tweet on Twitter from Antoine B. Staley who I just learned, covers the Jets for the New York Daily News. And he's got this quote from Robert Sala about Nathaniel Hackett. You ready for this? Quote, you got to be able to look past recency bias. You got you to gotta look past whatever you want to call Denver. But the fact is he got that opportunity because of his life's work as an offensive coordinator. Oh, man. You gotta, you gotta look past whatever you want to call Denver. Whatever you want to call that. Whatever you want to label that. You gotta be able to look past that. <laughs> Lindsey Jones retweeted this and said, "Whatever you want to call Denver is a better slogan for the 2022 Broncos than Let's Ride ever was." Yeah, Wisco Sports Show. Let's ride. My name's Grant Bills. Let's ride. Broncos country. Let's ride. Look. Denver did not work out last year because Russell Wilson isn't that good, which I've been trying to tell you for three years, but whatever. Let Russ cook. Okay, well, now you've seen it. How did it look? How was how was the meal? Was it any good? Not to, not to put a crown on my head here, but I've been right about Russell Wilson from the beginning. If you're new to the show, this has been a, a couple-year-long process, everyone coming over to my side, slowly but surely. Denver did not work out last year because Russell Wilson isn't very good. But Denver also did not work out last year Because it's bad strategy. It's a bad strategy to put together the entire team and then try to get the quarterback. It's a poor strategy, which is why I'm interested to see what Detroit does. And I actually think Jared Goff's a nifty little quarterback. Maybe they like Jared Goff. I I think there's a ceiling with a Jared Goff-led team, but we'll see. I'm interested to see what the Jets do. I'm interested to see what the Dolphins do because the Dolphins had a lot of talent on that team. Waddle and Hill... Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips and all all that talent on the defensive side. Um, The corner whose name escapes me, not Byron Maxwell. I think of him as this generation's Byron Maxwell, but I can't forget. He got all the interceptions. You know who I'm talking about. They have the team. If two is... He can be... But he had three concussions last year. That's pretty brutal. Where does the Dolphins franchise want to go with their quarterback situation? Or where do the Jets want to go? wonder what the Raiders want to do. The Raiders just got rid of their guy, but they have Devontae Adams, who's unbelievable, and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. It's, it's very bizarre, and it's a tough spot to be in as a franchise. I get it. But giving up a bunch of picks for an aging quarterback to come in and, and try to be that final piece, it's just not a recipe that's worked. Defense is really unstable from year to year to year, right? It's hard to, to have an elite defense one year and say, well, if we just go get the quarterback... We, we bring him into this team with this defense. Well, no, because the defense probably isn't going to be as good next year. And then who knows the year after that and the year after that. And that was the Vikings error with Kirk Cousins is they had this elite defense. and thought, well, we'll just bring in this high price quarterback and the defense will stay the same and the wide receiver will stay the same, but it won't stay the same. It's always moving. The, the, the NFL, it's, it's a river. It's always moving. It never stops. It's never stationary. So in one moment, you can be in a really good spot. And the defense can be great, and you got good turnover luck, good health luck, but move forward a year or two years. 
things are going to change. One player is not going to be as good. I feel like we understand this in baseball, or we're starting to understand this in baseball. Where it's like Christian Yelich can look like the best player on the planet for two years, and two years later, he looks like a replacement-level player. Right? We've seen this with other guys, too, where Eric Thames was unstoppable for a couple of months. Or their guy, Chris Carter, hit 50 home runs in a year. Like in Baseball is just so ebb and flow, up and down from year to year. It's always moving. Football can be the same. Football can be just like baseball, but we don't think of it like baseball. We want to we want to think of things as much more stationary. If we get this type of performance from this player in one year, we expect the same thing the next year and the year after and the year after. And it's just it's not how that works. It's just not how that works. And, and we shouldn't expect that. The Vikings expected that when they brought in Kirk Cousins. It didn't work. The Broncos got the defense. The, Bron- the Broncos were actually right there. The Broncos had the elite defense. I think their offensive personnel is really good. It's just that Russell Wilson was that poor. The Colts tried it with three different quarterbacks. Got a pretty good defense, pretty good running game. It didn't work. Phillip Rivers was fine. He wasn't good enough. Carson Wentz is not good. Matt Ryan is terrible. The Bears with Nick Foles. It's like, we'll have this elite defense. And no, but you can't, you can't always bet on an elite defense staying elite. Betting on it is a bad bet. The NFL is a river. It's a moving body of water, and everything's always changing. We're going around a bend. We're going down a little waterfall. Water's speeding up. Water's slowing down. Nothing is ever staying in one place. Never staying stationary. It's just a bad recipe, adding the quarterback in after the fact. And that's why I, I, I'm very interested by the Jets. Like I said, I'm very interested with the Dolphins. Today, I was trying to make a list of the things in the NFL that I'm most interested in. So maybe it's a team. Maybe it's a story. Maybe it's an offseason like personnel decision. I made a list, and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven-ish things. I noticed a very interesting trend about the NFL stories that I'm most interested in. We'll get to that in a sec, but first, let's talk to Mark. 608-796-2558. What's up, Mark? Hey, uh, just hey. listening to your, your rant there, your flow, and I had a thought, um, and I want to get your take before I, I say my thought, but with the Packers, what they're going to do next year Regardless of whether it's Mr. Jordan Love, what do you think their biggest need is based on how things played out this year? You need to get more explosive weapons. Let's say tight end and wide receiver. That's probably number one, and then 1A is, or 1A, 1B, edge rushers right there, too. That's what I'd say. Okay. My first thought was offensive line. Really? Either short. Yeah, if you... I'm looking at what happened to Rodgers and honestly where he failed, especially against Detroit. He did not have protection when he needed it the most. He had protection, but there were moments, like the biggest moments where he needed to make a play, he was maybe rushed by half a second or he was either sacked. And they have a really good offensive line, but injuries hurt them and consistency and maybe scheme a little bit mess with them a little bit i would i'd be interested to see if they draft somebody or if they move some people around but i think that's very true of a lot of you know quarterbacks that were good and then you know all of a sudden they have this big drop what's their offensive line doing could matt ryan have done better if he had better time i don't know russell wilson well dude short for one but did he have enough time was the offensive line strong enough and I'm just curious if, if what's your take on that, if it really is, if, if that could be the linchpin for next year for the Packers. Well, I think it's regardless on the, of yeah. everything else. Yeah, I, I think it's on the quarterback 
to help out the offensive line, to understand where the weaknesses are, to understand that you don't always have all day to hold on to the ball. Right, and Joe Burrow showed this on Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. I keep forgetting which teams play. He showed last weekend. Forget what day it was. Joe Burrow showed against the Bills that even with three injured offensive linemen, he can get up to the line, diagnose where pressure is coming, diagnose where he can get the ball quickly, and get rid of the ball. And that might mean that you're not throwing a lot of deep shots. Like, Joe Burrow and the Bengals didn't take a lot of deep shots. They were short and surgical, and they moved up and down the field. And a quarterback, especially when a quarterback is getting paid a lot of money like Aaron Rodgers, and it's an experienced quarterback with lots of experience and knowledge, the quarterback needs to help out the offensive line. Look, offensive line's never a bad investment, but you also need the weapons on the outside to allow the ball to come out because when guys get open, then the quarterback doesn't need to hold the ball as long. Right, and I think Rodgers is cursed by early in his career with Mike McCarthy's offense, pushing the ball down the field was their foundation was their mainstay. Yeah. And they always had the time and the weapons to do it. And I think when Rodgers gets, he's gotten into that mode where, okay, I need a shock play. Uh, yeah, let's do this. And this is what I want to do. I want to live in the 15 or further. If I need a big play, that's what I want. As opposed to, oh, I only need five yards? Eh, I want to check it down the field anyway. And that's his reflex. And if he had an offensive line that was stronger or they had a better scheme, then he could do that, but he can't anymore. And I don't know if that's necessarily LaFleur's scheme. I may talk about it, but I don't know if that's necessarily where his scheme lives. His bread and butter is chucking the ball down the field. I don't don't know that, Matt. Here's the issue of this offseason. The Packers have to resolve this. This is more of a philosophical issue than a personnel issue. The Packers need to realize, are we going to run Matt LaFleur's scheme and the offense that he's kind of known for. If so, we need to draft the guys, and we need to make sure that the quarterback's okay with that, whether it's Rodgers or Love. Because what the Packers have been doing right. is they've been running an offense that's a little bit of Lafleur, a lot of Aaron Rodgers, but they've been drafting guys 100% for Matt Lafleur's offense. Like, they drafted Josiah DeGuara. What a useless pick. And I know that Packers fans who really carry the G, they'll tell me, well, he, he's an unsung hero. He's a blocker. He's a third-round pick. <laughs> like, I, I don't care how well he you know? blocks. This team needs guys who are weapons, and he hasn't been a weapon. So the Packers need to realize, which offense are we running, and how can we draft players for it? Because they're all turned around. They've been all confused. They're drafting Matt LaFleur players, but they're not running an offense that uses those players. It's been a mess. I hear you. Yeah. I will say this and record this. I think next year... Bobby Tunyon's going to break out because he had that catastrophic knee injury, and this year I think he's been recovering from it the whole year and hasn't been able to really plant his foot and go. Yeah. I bet you next year everything works out. He's going to have a much better season and be like the guy from two or three years ago. If they're able to bring him back, I would agree. I think this year he's definitely coming back from that knee injury, and it's a bummer that possibly the last year that contract where Green Bay was able to keep him, he was recovering from injury or injured with a busted ACL. Mark, I got to take a break. I appreciate the call, though. Great discussion. Right out. Bye now. Later. See you. It's Mark, 608-796-2558. It's a balance. It's a balance on offense between pass catchers and offensive line. I think the Packers' offensive line is quite good. I don't think it's great. I think Josh Myers is fine. I don't know if that was the best draft pick in the world. Elton Jenkins is very good. David Bakhtiari is very good. That's a very solid configuration of players. I really like Zach Tom. I think they're okay. They're going to be okay on offensive line. I think 
NFL teams waste time chasing perfection on the offensive line. I think that's a, an exercise in futility. If your offensive line is 80% perfect, that's fine. Because trying to get it all the way to 100, you're getting diminishing returns. The more you invest in that offensive line, it, the, the improvement is going to start to slow down and, and be less and less and less and less. Right? 80% is fine. Because as soon as you try to get to 100, you're going to be hit with injuries. And that's going to bring you back down to 80%. Or you're going to hit with regression. Or you have too many offensive linemen. You, you can't be perfect. You should aim on the offensive line to be very good and very deep. So if guys get injured, you have viable replacements. And you don't have some you know, uh, uh, Don Barclay out there who just is terrible. You, you can't have one terrible guy. You need to be deep and good. Perfect on the offensive line is not possible, and teams should not try to, to get there. You should aim to have a very good offensive line and wide receivers that can get open to help out that offensive line when they face tough matchups. The Packers have had a little bit of both. They really haven't had elite weapons since, well, since they had maybe 2014 when they had very good Randall Cobb, very good Jordy Nelson, like maybe that. It's been a long time. Let's talk to Mike in Eau Claire before we take our last break. 608-796-2558. What's up, Mike? Hey, Grant. You are so on point today. Well, I just, I agree with everything you say about bringing in an aging quarterback, but I want to say with Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett going to the, to the Jets, that's almost like, you know, how much him and Hack, Aaron Rodgers and his boy Hack, they were really close. I kind of grease the skids to get the, you know, Aaron Rodgers into an AFC team. I don't know if they got a first-round draft pick this year or what they would give us, but it really does open up the door for that because he's got familiarity with the offensive coordinator. And I was reading that they were thinking about, or somebody had mentioned, what if the uh, Raiders would give us Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and a draft pick. I mean, that would be a pretty good trade, too. And on a final note, mm -hmm. because I pay way too much attention to this sort of stuff, I was looking at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s uh, first mock draft. That a boy. He's got that big, yeah, that big monster tied in from the, uh, um, excuse me, the chrome domes there. The, Michael the, Mayer. Uh, yeah. Mike Meyer. Yeah, or Mike Mayer. Mayer, isn't you got his last it. name? Yeah, Mike Mayer. You got he's, it. He's a he, He's a good, he's a good, I'd like to see him in green and gold. I think that'd be a great pick. They got a lot of good tight end yeah. options this year. It's a good tight end draft. So first, second round, somewhere in there. We were having Ben Kenny on yesterday, who was stumping for the Georgia tight end, whose name escapes me, but that's fine. We got plenty of time to get former familiar with these guys. If you can get more dynamic, get wide receivers and tight ends that are big, fast, explosive. Get open sooner so the offensive line doesn't have to protect as long. Get wide open so Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love don't have to make a perfect, precise throw. It all helps. And I think Packers fans have really underrated the value of multiple good wide receivers the last couple of years because we just had one in Devontae Adams. Or Matt LaFleur likes to run the ball anyway. No, 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 no. I think we've really forgotten the value of having a couple elite wide receivers. And the Packers have a, a chance to get on that trajectory if they get some weapons this year, Mike. Yeah, you know, too, is that the NFL game has kind of switched to up the middle. A lot of stuff is up the middle now, where it used to be around the sides, around the sidelines. There's so much, I mean, a less than two-minute window. But, I mean, a lot of stuff has been up the middle this year. And look at the tight ends that are still playing. We're talking one, two, and four. The, out, of, out of all the NFL tight ends, the first one, which is the guy from Kansas City. Kelsey, the second yeah. one, which is the guy from, uh, which is, 
you know, George Kittle. Yep. And the fourth one, which is a guy, I mean, all the best tight I think you need a dynamic tight end today. And our top tight end is the guy at 50th. Um, and that's not even Tanyan. That's uh, Josiah DeGora. I mean, we need some tight end help. And I really hope that they do that. But I saw some other mock drafts where it's got Green Bay taking a defensive back. And it just blows my mind. I, anyway. I so, like uh, yeah. Back. Me neither. <laughs> you mean edge rusher. If we're going defense, give me an edge rusher to go next for Sean Gary because it's taken him five years, but he should be ready to become a number one pass rusher next year. I'm with you. I'm with you. I think so, too. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for taking the time. My great show tonight. I just want to say, of course. you know, let's ride. Let's ride. Broncos <laughs> country. Mike and Eau Claire country. Let's ride. Thanks, Mike, for the call. I got to take one final break, then we'll come back, wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. Let's ride. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills, and we're just about out of time. I'm not going to lie, I'm very glad that neither of our basketball teams are playing tonight. Makes me very happy. It's been stressful. Stressful to watch on two screens at once. The Badgers are not playing well. And I did not have a fun, confident feeling watching the Bucks last night. The Bucks go out there and play basketball like they just want to avoid losing. They're not going out there to light the world on fire and blow people away. They're just like, can we get out of here without blowing this game? Can we get out of here without blowing this game against the Nuggets who are without their four best players? Can we just escape? It's a very nerve-wracking way to watch basketball. I'm okay. I'm going to take the night off. I'm going to chef myself up uh, some chicken and rice, I think. Look forward to it. Don't bother me. Actually, please do. Because on nights like tonight, I, I do like to spend way too much time on Twitter. At Wisco Grant is where you can find me. At Rob Reichel is where you can find tomorrow's guest. Rob Reichel, Forbes, Conley Media is going to join us at 4.30. And I would just guess that Rob Reichel is going to want to ship Rodgers out of town. Not because he's anti-Rodgers. Well, not because he's anti-Rodgers recently. He's been anti-Rodgers ever since I've known Rob Rachel. 2018, he was calling for this. He's been waiting on this for years. We'll join Rob Rachel tomorrow at 4.30. Excited to talk to him, and I'd love to talk to you as well. Never want to miss a Friday show. Talk to you tomorrow at 4.00.